We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Surley. My partner's name is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products and fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do, Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, it's always available on our website, wefishasa.com. We are produced by our executive producer, the one and only Brad Nearman down in Land Lakes, Florida, under the banner of Berserk Productions. Thank you very much, Brad. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston. Why do they make so many different kind of rods? Well, Dan Johnson's going to be the guy that can explain that to you very, very well. And Dave's going to visit with Nathan Steren. He's the president of the Lithium Battery Company. Isn't that a great name? So many lithium batteries, and he owns that name. That'd be like somebody owning the name the Fishing Rod Company. How cool is that? I'm going to talk to uh, the general, Larry Nixon. He's in the news, 72 years old, and he's going back to the Bassmasters. Yeah. Larry Nixon, the newest addition to the Elite Series. I'll be talking to him very shortly, but first, let me do a handoff to Mr. Dave Kranz, who's going to bring on Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and we always have Dan Johnston. How are you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. Uh, we, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, uh, at Sportshows, we used to do a seminar called the Right Rod, Right Action, and, and we do this on an audio uh, about once a year. So we've done it. Uh, we're on our seventh year of programming here. We've done it quite a few times, but uh, somebody came into the store the other day, and they say, why are there so many choices of rods? And I, I think this will give them a good explanation of that, of uh, picking the right rod for the right technique, the right species, and uh, just what would serve them the best. Yeah, it's such an important thing, and I think it's it's sometimes misunderstood. And I think what we usually do is lay out the foundation of what does that mean? Uh, when we talk about, obviously, we know length of a rod, um, but when we talk about power and action uh, at a high level, the power is the overall amount of duress or load it takes to load the whole blank. Action is where does that rod bend along the blank? So we can have rods of similar power that have completely different actions because they bend it. it, 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 One bends closer to the tip than the other, for example. So obviously what comes to mind is the bait, the line, how we want the bait to fish. Um, do, do, Do we want the bait to have great action? Do we want the blank to shut down or get into its power quickly? Uh, like a bottom contact bait, like a bass jig or a frog, and those sort of things. And this applies to all species. So it's definitely important, but a lot of it, if we understand what power and action means, a lot of it we can figure out on our own uh, how we want that rod to react for the species or application or bait or whatever. But it it is important to understand because it absolutely 100% makes a difference. You can use a drop shot rod and not catch a frog, frogfish all day. 
And the converse of that, you could use a frog rod and never feel a drop shot bite all day and break your line when you set the hook. So those are extreme examples, but I think it's important for the for the listener to understand that. And at St. Croix, we absolutely pride ourselves on trying to lead that person to that right selection. Yeah, and, and you want to have the right tool for the right job, and that, that's important uh, to, to do because we want them to be successful, and we want them to have fun, and we want them to you know enjoy the experience and, and come back and, and get out there and go, go again. Uh, basics, uh, if we're so many of the, the size, the length of the rods now seem to be uh, seven, one, seven, three. Uh, why is that a good, uh, length rod for, uh, you know, a lot of anglers for a lot of different techniques and, and what power and, uh, uh, would you want for that? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of times what I like to do, Dave, is lay it out at a high level because our, our listeners are so smart that they'll understand the at a high level when we lay this out, they can say, you know what, this makes sense for this and we don't even have to tell them. For example, if I were to lay out the fact that a shorter rod, in other words, the closer the tip is to your hand, might allow a little more control, vertical jigging or casting accuracy. And to the other side of the spectrum, if we were to say a longer rod, apples to apples with the reel, we'll cast farther and certainly pick up more line on the hook set and also quite possibly control fish on the fight better, then all of a sudden we can put two and two, two, and two together. In other words, if we're trying to cast something a mile with a bait, we know they bite way out sometimes. And we also want to have a situation where we're throwing it in and massive but if we're doing things like roll casting and spinnerbait and we're right on top of the cover, we have no room to maneuver, then obviously that super long rod is going to be an impediment. So now that the viewer has understood or the listener has understood power, length, and now the advantages between a longer and a shorter rod at a high level, we can really put two and two together and relate it right down to different applications. Yeah, and, and you talked about longer rod, shorter rod. I, I guess that's why my favorite rod to skip docks with, with uh, like throwing a, a flick shake or a Senko is a 5.9 is a medium avid because I feel like I can put it right where I want it. Yeah, on the spinning side, I would agree with that. I'll actually go all the way up to 7 foot if I'm out off the target because spinning rods are so lethal to skip certain baits because the line, obviously the spinning reel spool is static and the line comes off it, so it comes off it like butter. To the contrary, though, if I'm skipping a bass jig, I'll go with a 7 foot heavy. And the reason why is because it's one thing to get it back there. You get that bite on something 5'9", uh, that's medium extra fast or something, at least where I'm throwing that thing. And what I'm hoping is going to bite it. I'm not going to ever see it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, a, you know, we're really matching the tool to the trade. Um, skipping is a matter of, in my opinion, exactly what we're throwing us a, a, a Cinco skipping rods, completely different than a bash jig, bash jig skipping rod. But, you know, and we can say this, you know, if we took it to the, to the, uh, to the crankbait side, for example, we can use a medium, power or medium heavy power moderate action for pretty much all crankbaits now the difference would be do we go long or short well if i'm on a wide open point and i'm trying to throw it a mile like a deep dive in de 22 or 10 xd i don't want to do that with a six foot rod 
But on the other hand, if I'm around laydowns and I'm trying to dissect them and be super accurate, I don't want to do that with a 710 or 711. So there's there we we have to we have to play on the fringes. But once we understand power and action and overall at a high level what the length does for us, we can put a lot of this together. Excellent. Now you said moderate. Does it make a difference whether uh, what the material is, whether it's it's glass or not? You know, it's funny. St. Croix done a lot with that in the last few years. And I would put that in three categories. We would have our linear S glass, which is a very moderate deflecting material in itself. And then that works beautiful for crankbaits in our uh, Mojo Bass glass and Legend glass. But then we also have carbon crankbait rods that are just straight carbon rods, but we slow them down by because we have control over the manufacturing process. So that gives us feel, but they've been further back in the blank. And then last year, we started a technology called IACT, which is a carbon with a glass layup over it. So it's really the best of both worlds because it is – it has great feel. It's lightweight. It's small diameter, but it keeps them pinned because it's got that glass dynamic in it that slows that blank down, number one, to let them get it better because the bass inhales the bait. But secondly, when you get them stuck, it's like being attached to a willow limb. They just don't get off. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, and that would be uh, possibly you, those choices for top water, anything with treble hooks, like you said, crankbaits, those would be the the rods to be using for them. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, I, and one thing I will tell you, absolutely, the number of bites you get in a day to the number the number of them you get the boat flip over the boat and actually get them in goes up drastically if you get the right rod. And if we were talking crappie, for example, if the folks look at our panfish series, um, we've blended some things, too, there that give that rod horsepower in the butt. But they deflect really, really well out towards the tip to protect light line, light gauge hooks. They're, they're very castable. You have great feel with them. And it's a lot of factors and elements going in. So when we go in to design a rod, we're trying to think of what all can we do to give that angler the ultimate advantage on the water. And a lot of it, certainly line, baits, you know, barometer, presentation, all that plays in huge. But having the right tool in your hand specific to the rod is very important. And once people truly understand that they're going to go out and fish and all of a sudden start actually catching more you can get a bite on a lot of things but to get the bait delivered the right way and actually catch a lot of them the rod absolutely matters it does and that's why there are so many choices and and uh, it can be confusing but on the on the opposite end of what we were just talking about you're punching or you're throwing a frog or uh, what what kind of rod are we using for that well, heavy, fast, without a doubt. And now with punching, we get a little weedy. I'm speaking on behalf of what I would say, it would be more of a heavy, moderate, fast, because the way a punching rig is designed when the sinker is pegged and it's generally a larger tungsten weight, that can actually pop out of them. So we want to slow that blank down a little bit for that. But a flipping rod can certainly be moderate. A lot of people do that. But I use a straight fast because I want to absolutely jack them with the 
drag crank down and I want to win that first two seconds. And it'd be the same thing with a frog rod as well. I don't want that rod deflecting back into the blank at all, in my opinion, just because of the mere hook set. I don't have to really swing on them as hard as I would with a more moderate deflecting rod. I, and I feel the same way fast when I'm doing that, that frogging and uh, using that heavy braid. And I don't want, like you said, that's the right, uh, the first three seconds, you don't want to lose that. But always great information, Dan. I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Uh, there's a lot of things uh, that are good in the outdoors. I always like to say everybody that I have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors, and uh, my next guest certainly does. He is Nathan Styron. He is the CEO and founder of the Lithium Battery Company, and you're out of Florida, aren't you, Nathan? That's right. We're in Tampa, Florida. Thanks for having me on the show. Dave. Oh, no problem. Glad to have you here. A uh, lot of lot of talk back and forth on professional fishing, recreational fishing, you know, lead acid batteries, lithium batteries. Uh, tell us what you came up with, how you came up with it, and uh, tell us a little bit about the product that you have. Sure, sir. So we have a 24 and a 36 volt single uh, lithium trolling motor battery. Uh, this technology uh, we started with about 10 years ago, and just really recently within the past two years, we've uh, integrated more technology, uh, which is the very exciting and interesting part about the, the lithium battery and how it works with your, your trolling motor and your fishing. So you said single. Uh, it, is that all you need is the one? Right, yeah. There's... Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are using multiple 12-volt lithium batteries, and it's it's very inefficient. There's multiple battery management systems uh, working against each other when you're putting two batteries together for 24 volts or 30 uh, a 36-volt system with three 12-volt batteries. So we find it 
much more efficient with one single battery um, and one battery management system. All right, so it has is one battery for it's either twenty four or thirty six. How about the weight on that? Is it is it heavier? It probably is than a twelve volt, correct? Yeah, the twelve volts together. Uh, there's you know there's probably about eighty different cylindrical cells in a twelve volt one hundred amp hour. So when you're compressing it and you're making it into a twenty four and a thirty six volt battery, there's actually less material. So you are shedding probably about 10 more pounds just going to a single battery versus using three three of the 12s. 12 okay. Volts. okay. And do they uh, charge the same as as the, the single ones or as a lead acid, or is that different also? Well, so charging uh, multiple 12-volt batteries, if you're using uh, multiple 12-volt lithium batteries, with, with all the battery management systems working against each other, it doesn't necessarily charge the way that it should. Um, but it's it's very it's much different than charging an AGM and a lead acid battery with with a lithium uh, going with a single lithium versus an AGM battery. You're gonna charge much quicker. Um, the an AGM lead acid battery has resistance and has a uh, pushes back the charge, so it pushes back the current. With a lithium, it's it absorbs it very fast. Okay. Uh, so how, how does that uh, translate into the power and the longevity that you get out of, out of your battery? Well, essentially, if, if you're using a, a single battery um, and you're not working against multiple battery management systems and you can capture that charge much faster, um, you can actually use less capacity with your trolling motor battery versus, you know, the, the, the traditional lithium that's been around for 10 years now. So you can be more efficient with how it's charging and discharging and um, do more with that battery. It, on the discharge end, is there a, uh, an indicator system so you know what you have left on these or, or how does that work? We have an app. Uh, that just rolled out. It's called the Don't Die app. Uh, Don't Die is the brand of the lithium batteries. Um, the app you can you can access on an Android or an iOS and iPhone uh, device to check your fuel, how much capacity you have left, the temperatures, all that data is right at your fingertips. Okay, so so you came up with this uh, this idea uh, for the marine industry and other industries, correct? Yeah, so the, the battery management system uh, revolved around a military contract we were working on a few years ago. And the problem that we ran into was the customer never knew uh, if there was a problem, they never knew why. And traditional lithium batteries have a, a basic uh, PCB power control module battery management system that doesn't really give you any type of feedback or information on if you have a problem, what's causing it. So this new battery management system that we're using in our marine batteries actually can record your history, your events, your usage through a cloud server. And now we can help you become more efficient with your, your fishing and what you can do with 
uh, less battery but more power. Interesting. So how about the length of uh, time, not per charge per, for the use of the battery, but uh, how long can you use this battery, how many charges can it take, that type of thing? We're right around three to 5,000 like life cycles uh, for the lithium battery. Um, very interesting prod product that's out is the powerful charge, and that's the charge on the run. Um, with, with that matched with the Don't Die lithium trolling motor battery, you you can be charged in minutes, and we're now eliminating the AC charging because you're so much more efficient with your power. So uh, charge cycles has definitely increased significantly with the powerful charge system in this lithium. That's neat. So the charge on the run really doesn't, since you're not draining it down to a lower level as you're, you're replenishing the, the power that it has as you go, it's really not a full cycle. Is that what I'm hearing? That, that's exactly it. You sound like you know batteries. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a fisherman and I know, I know, you know, what I need, but it, but I'm just trying to understand your technology and what you have and, uh, uh, it's interesting. How about the, the weight differential for how uh, boats run? I know a lot of guys say they can add more weight to their boat when they're using a lithium because there's less uh, weight than lead-acid batteries. Um, is there any issues there? Um, the, a lot of people, when we first started selling these batteries, the, the, the lithium, were really excited about the weight savings. And now it's it's turned into... Uh, believe it or not, some some anglers are very cautious about taking this taking that weight off because uh, with the lithium it's it's much less and um, your boat sits differently now. So I think with the advancements with a lot of boat manufacturers and equipment being lighter, there's now a concern with eliminating too much battery weight. It's almost like it's becoming a little bit of an issue that we've been hearing about the past few months. Yeah, about how the boats run and performance and speed and, and handling and all of that. But the guys that I have talked to that um, being being fishermen, we, we never have enough tackle, now can, in those back compartments, add more than they could before because of the lack of weight from a lithium. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there's pros and cons. It depends on who you talk to. Right. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely. How, how did you, um, I mean, how long have you been around and, and you said this was through for a military contract, but how, how long has this idea been in your head to, to do this for the marine industry? Uh, this has been about six years, six years. And we originally, our pool is right down the street from us. So we spend a lot of time at their, their engineering facility in Tampa. Um, so six years we got, uh, introduced to the powerful charge before anyone ever knew about it and we were able to uh, jump into their test bed program to actually see how this was going to work with the charge so it, it took about uh, three to four years of really hard testing before we actually started selling this um, to the public very, very interesting. And, and how about for other uses, sir? Uh, uh, is there homeowner uses other than, than uh, marine industry? Yeah, so Lithium Battery Company, we, we 
focus on custom lithium ion batteries. So uh, we work with a lot of OEM companies. Uh, this week I was working with NASA on a project. Um, it, there's there's different types of battery packs for different scenarios. I know like home energy storage systems are super popular right now, but um, Petroleum motor batteries primarily just going to stay in your boat, but we we have other options for other battery packs for other uses. No, that that's neat, and I think for the marine industry, it's definitely uh, an option from from what has been available in in the past. And uh, you know, there's going to always be issues with whether it's weight. You know, I guess I never thought that too little weight would be become an issue but uh like you said it it has and there are some concerns about that but uh anything else uh coming down the pike in the future as far as uh, uh any any other direction or any other products you're going to add to this or, or right now this is the focus yeah right now this is this is the focus for the marine um we, we every day with this technology you know it's not just a battery anymore it's not just a lithium battery the 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 technology, the battery management system, and the cloud recording, um, we're getting more and more involved with being able to see problems downstream on your boat. So imagine this battery being able to detect uh, your PCB board in your trolling motor is about to fail six months before it happens, or to tell you that you have fishing line caught in your trolling motor. Little uh, things like yeah. that that we're seeing, it's no one's no one's doing this. No one is focusing on this side of it, and I think it's going to reshape customer service and help other brands in the industry with fishing. No, I think it's all good, and uh, definitely appreciate your time and enlightening us about the uh, lithium battery company. Uh, thanks, Nathan, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again somewhere down the road. Thanks for having me. Appreciate oh. it. No problem. That was Nathan Styron. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Serling. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, what he's doing. We, we Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Or I said Dave's not here. Uh, we haven't been together in the same studio for a couple of years now since COVID started. But he's uh, he's actually doing something today that uh, Larry would be interested. In. Uh, Dave's in the deer stand in, in Iowa uh, for the week, uh, doing one of his uh, his passions. And our guest just got out of a tree stand to join us. We appreciate him doing that. He is a true legend in the sport of bass fishing. He is the one and only Larry Nixon. Hey, how you doing, Larry Nixon? I'm doing just wonderful, Steve. I'm uh, just tickled to death to be here. Hey, tell us about your your adventure in the, in the stand today. How'd you do? Well, we saw uh, a, a nice young eight point this morning and four or five does and. Uh, the the bigger deer seem to be kind of locked down with does right now. They're not uh, they're not in that. Uh, where they're out looking for does, they're hanging out with one somewhere, waiting on the right time. And but it's a good hunt, no matter any, you know, matter no matter the outcome. I always, uh, I, you know, I always get a kick out of it. Uh, uh, the the hardest time for me to book guests is when the guys are fishing or pre-fishing. I look at the schedules and you know, I, I watch Major League Fishing schedules. I watch the Bassmaster schedules and see what's going on and. And and try to re realize when people are going to be pre fishing and practicing and and you know I work in and out of the schedule that's tough but then it comes to to this time of the year and it's difficult to get guests and I well nobody when I started doing this I said well nobody's fishing there's no tournaments going on everybody's up in a tree my God <laughs> it, it, does every one of you professional fishermen go after whitetail deer uh, there's not any that don't that I know of. Uh... In fact, if you was trying to get George Cochran on the phone this time of year, he'd just tell you, no, call me in January. No, <laughs> call me in February. <laughs> oh, that is, that is absolutely amazing. George Cochran. I haven't thought about George in a while. My goodness, that's a, a, a bring back a flood of memories when you say that. Like the flood of memories I get when I hear the name Larry Nixon. Larry, you are in the news because you have made a huge announcement about a career change. Uh, and and if you can imagine somebody making a career change at 72 years old, folks, you got Larry Nixon uh, starting a new career. <laughs> yes, I did. I'm going back to Bassmasters, where I belong. You know, I, I started started with bass, won the classic, two anglers of the year, and uh, you know, sometimes sponsored journeys just takes you away and. Uh, now I see an opportunity to go back, and I asked to go back, and they invited me in. When did you stop fishing BASS? I think it was 2002 Classic at Toho. Uh, okay. was my last uh, BASS tournament. All right. So that Toho tournament, 
Major quit Bassmaster. A lot of those, uh, a lot of those tournaments down in that area make guys quit fishing totally. So you're a step ahead of them. <laughs> well, there was there was uh, some issues between uh, two different tournament organizations, and they got to putting tournaments on top of each other. And my sponsors were all affiliated with FLW at that time, and. I had to make a decision, and uh, so I, I swapped over to FLW for the last 16 years and uh, finally come back home to Bass. In uh, October, I went down to Rayburn and fished that tournament there to hoping to get the invite back into the elites, and uh, fortunately, I did. Well, th this is interesting how this works because uh, uh, you're, you're obviously not the first one to have gone from uh, – uh, Major League Fishing, back to Bassmaster, not the first one to leave Bassmaster to go to FLW or Major League Fishing, and everybody has has their reasons for doing it, and you just explained well why you love BASS in the first place. What When you're going back to BASS now, what really is the driving reason for that? Well, the driving reason is I'm a lifetime member of Bass. I keep up with bass. I've watched every bass event that's been on TV since I switched to FLW. And the new FLW tournament trail, uh, or not FLW, but Major League Fishing Tournament Trail doesn't have a classic or a championship at the end of the season. It's, it's an opportunity to fish Major League Fishing, but it's not, you know, they don't have a championship. And I've always been about fishing for a goal at the end of the year and uh so hey, going back to bass i've got a goal i can set my goal for fishing the bass masters classic again and that you know i've been there 25 times and uh the most wonderful experience in the world is going to the bass masters classic as an angler and uh that's my goal yeah sounds sounds great sounds great talk about the the difference in the rules you know we said you're, you're a you're a five the five biggest fish kind of guy uh, how did you like fishing under the other umbrella with weighing all the fish you can, uh, weighing all the legal fish you can and having a, a day where you could catch a hundred pounds of fish, uh, although it might've been 50 fish to get you that hundred pounds. Uh, what was that like switching over to that format? Well, see that I've never had to fish that format. Uh, the, the, the tackle warehouse tour was a five fish limit. Oh, right, right, right. And, yeah, and now now the only option, if, if I stay there, is to if I win a tournament, then I get to move over and fish the uh, Major League Fishing Red Crest Tournament. And, uh, you know, that, that there's too many options, too many things there to think about. I, I just, huh. I like to go, I like to go fish nine tournaments and, uh, or eight tournaments and, and have a goal at the end of the year and, uh, it's not that I'm against their format at all because I watch it and I watch it religiously because that's what I do for a living. And uh, But at 72, I'm not made to catch 100 bass a day. <laughs> so I, if I, if I want to sit down and eat a sandwich and take a break, I'm going to sit down and eat a sandwich and take a break and then go back to fishing. I ain't worried about all that. But, you know, handling... Uh, that many fish in a day's time, I would prop set the world record for penalties. 
because I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna drop them. I, I don't lip them good. I'm gonna have all kinds of issues. And uh, so anyway, that that's that's the main reason. If I was 30 mm. years old, I'd probably be all in on it. I, I don't know. A lot of guys will say that it doesn't make a difference that fishing's fishing, and and they don't you know they really don't see a difference in going from one format to the other. And I just shake my head when I hear that because it just seems like it's a completely different sport, and uh, the the whole the whole uh, psychology of it is, has got to be different. Uh, and and a lot of this is, is psychology and rules. You know, I'm I'm familiar with the walleye tournaments where a lot of them, depending on where they're located, will be no call. You know, the first one, the first five you catch are the ones that count in the box, and you, then you can have your sandwich because you can't fish anymore that day. Uh, the bass <laughs> tournaments aren't like that, but you know, if, if, if you, if you were, part, and I'm sure you have participated in no call tournaments from time to time over the past, you, you got to go into that. Like it's a whole new, a whole new way of fishing. Yes. It, that would be a totally different world. And, uh, you know, we couldn't, there, there was a time there in bass when you couldn't call it dead fish. And, uh, in that last classic I fished, I actually caught one very early in the morning and I had four in the live well and I caught one and he swallowed the hook and he was bleeding pretty bad. And he was just almost the same size as everything else. And I said, you know what, if I put this fish in there, I'm probably going to have to keep him and throw one of them bigger ones back if I call. Yeah. And so I, I just threw him back and kept fishing with four fish and, uh, I almost never caught my fifth one, but I finally did, but he was little. <laughs> uh, oh, See, that's uh, uh, that adds a whole nother layer of psychology to it, uh, having to determine what you're going to do and makes it an even harder sport. Yes, it is. It's um, I don't know. I, I'm uh, I'm just more comfortable not worrying about the numbers of fish that I catch during the day, and uh, you know, if if I can catch twenty and five of them weigh 20 pounds and I've had a great day. And that's, that's what I'm built for. I was, I was laughing about this. I just, I've been reading a couple of articles about you lately. And, and there was, uh, there was one and they were talking about the, the forward facing sonar. And I, I don't want to ask you about that, but what, one thing that I have heard people say about the forward facing sonar is it makes fishing too easy. And, and I look at that and shake my head and, and kind of laugh because Man, I can't think of anything about fishing that's ever easy. Is fishing ever easy, Larry Nixon? Very, very seldom. There may be an hour in the morning or an hour and a half where it's just you think, oh, my gosh, this is this. I'm going to kill them. And then all of a sudden they quit. No. And then it ain't easy. You got to work for them. <laughs> you got to work for them the rest of the day. Oh man! When I hear that, too easy. I just like get that whole the uh, uh, you slap your forehead with your palm, you know, and go. I, I'd love to have a day like that, let alone a, a, a career like that. Too easy. That is something else. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, you, you've been around long enough. And you're talking about the, the forward-facing sonar. Uh, it's just one of many, many things. In, in your career, you've seen uh, the, uh, the the anchors with the spot lock. You've seen sonar come in. What was the most dramatic change to fishing that you've seen transpire? Well, the most dramatic to me was when they put the, the topographical map on my depth finder of every lake that I go to. You know, I, I was used to 
an advantage of reading reading the maps and the topographical maps and and learning offshore structure and not having something to look at on the depth finder to go find the spot. So uh, it, that was a major change to me. Uh, there, there's no doubt that forward-facing sonar is the by far biggest because you can fish for fish that were uncatchable 10 years ago. Them, them fish were out there for a reason. They were hid. They suspended. They got out in them trees. You couldn't you couldn't catch them. You couldn't present a bait right where they live. And, you know, now you can see one 100 feet away, and when he gets to 60, you can make a cast and hit it. Hit him right in the old bread basket, and when it falls by him, it's just like a free lunch right there, and he eats. Uh, so that that's that definitely is by far the biggest change. Makes makes sense to me. I, I always thought it was uh, just the, the the depth finder, the Lawrence, when they come out with the green box, because uh, at that at, at that time I I got to stop. Uh, uh, stop uh, doing what when my dad would stop the boat and tell me to check how deep it was, and I'd have to free-spool down a weight to count down to see where the bottom was. Uh, we're in 12 feet, Dad. Okay, fine. And then two minutes later, he said, do it again. And, and I, I spent my whole day checking depths, and I, I thought it was like getting put on <laughs> parole when they uh, when they come out with that depth finder. I didn't have to do that anymore. There's no doubt about it. We all carried around a little anchor with knots in the rope, and we'd find the drop-off with the anchor. And that's where we had fished when we were fishing structure. Yeah. But, uh, it's way different ball game now. It's, uh, and it's been a constant change my whole career. You know, uh, Lawrence would definitely was the first with the green box and then the flasher. And then, you know, it's just been a constant change for 55 years. So I've learned that I have to change with it. You know, there's no such thing now as, is just going out there and doing your thing. If you do, you're going to get your brain speed out certain times of the year. Excellent, excellent. And I want to talk more about this. We're going to take a, uh, a little break. I'll let our sponsors have a word. We'll talk about you and your sponsors. I am very proud to be online with one of the greatest fishermen in the world of bass. He is uh, coming back to Bassmaster with a vengeance. He is the one and only Larry Nixon. I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish ASA. We'll be back with more Larry Nixon after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is out deer hunting. I'm, I'm spilling the beans on what he's doing. Uh, yeah, he's out there deer hunting. I hope he gets a big one. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. And I am pleased to be here with the guy they call the general. He is Larry Nixon. Where did the nickname come from, Larry? Well, that's a, it, it's a long story, but I've got a good short version of it. I was, I was leading the tournament at Wheeler Lake. No, I made the top 10. Excuse me. I uh, make the top 10, and they cut the field down to 10 people. And I made about a 20-mile boat ride back where I was going from the day before, and I stopped the boat, and my cameraman says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I can't win the tournament up there. I'm going back down the lake and practice. And I went back down the lake and practice and caught 17 pounds of bass, and I won the tournament. And Charlie Evans said, only a general would make that decision, and it stuck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a good one. I like that. I definitely like that. It's, fu it's funny because... That, <laughs> that was a rough boat ride, too. I mean, it was rough. And I, I stopped that boat out in the middle of the lake. That guy says, what are you doing? I said, I, ain't, I can't win up there. I'm going I'm going practicing. <laughs> it's so funny. He said that you, uh, uh, you had a 17... You're talking about the day you got your nickname was a 17-pound day. I was just looking, and you won the Classic in 83 with an 18-pound tournament. My, that's correct. My goodness. You know what? Uh, people could say that's a bad tournament. That's a tournament that separates the men from the boys, to me. I, I, I know that the, I know the guys are nobody that came in for that last day away and said, man, I hope we have another tournament like this. They're saying, I hope, I, I never fish a tournament with a crappy bite like this. For Pete's sake, this was horrible. But to me, that really separates the men from the boys. Well, there's no doubt about it. That one there was a, one of the toughest ones I think that I've ever fished. And, and if you look at them records, I've won two of them on that Ohio River. Back-to-back uh, -back there, I won an invitational and the classic. And, uh, yeah, but it was, you know, it was right down my alley. It don't bother me to go out there and fish for three or four or five little old bass a day and uh, do what I love to do. And, uh, yeah, most of them guys, they didn't ever want to see that Ohio River again. I'm ready to go back now. Oh, my, you, you, there's a picture online of, uh, of your bag on the last day. And, uh, man, it looks like my... Uh, uh, my kind of day of fishing, <laughs> there's three dinks in there, and you end up winning the classic. My goodness, that's that's just exciting to me. I would have liked to see. It may not have been the most exciting weigh-in in the world, but it's a great story, and it really shows uh, what an excellent fisherman you are. Uh, well, that, 
it took all I could do to catch them through the little old bass, and I was really proud of them because it just it just uh, things didn't work out that day, and uh, but it worked out well enough for me to win. What was your favorite day on the water ever? Uh, probably St. Clair up in Michigan. Uh, I won a big tournament up there with uh, uh, FLW, and I was catching about 80 smallmouth a day, and four of them would weigh 20 to 22, 23 pounds. And every day it was like that. And it was just, oh, my gosh, you know, that uh, my favorite day was on that way to coming in that day, and I just knew that I'd won that tournament, and I was like, man, that was the most awesome fishery I've ever been on. Excellent, yeah, for sure. What's the what's the biggest what's the biggest bass you ever caught, Larry Nixon? A ten ten is the biggest that I've ever actually weighed. Uh, I caught it uh, qualifying for one of the mega bucks that I won in nineteen ninety uh, down at the Harris Chain of Lakes in Florida. You never caught one bigger out with friends or casual fishing. Uh, yes, a couple times I think I broke eleven pounds. But, yeah. Uh, I didn't have, we didn't keep scales in the boat back in them days, you know, and you just look at them and say, Lord and mercy, look at this hog. Isn't it? It'd be practice or something like that, you know, so I just released it. Hey, it's, it's, it's rare the fact that you were able to catch that 10-10 in actual tournament competition, because usually that never happens. You know, there's a lot of guys on tour that have caught 10s. But most all of them never caught it when when the cameras were on, you know. Right. This one here, uh, Jay Ellis. We were that's back in the old days when you fished pro on pro, and Jay Ellis was my partner that day, and I uh, actually lit that fish for me, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was unreal. Yeah, that is that is very very cool. You talked about uh, uh, you know you're you're a watcher of everything on television. I think one of the most amazing things in, in the evolution of bass fishing is the evolution of the TV coverage. Isn't it amazing what you can watch now as compared to what you could watch when fishing was first put on television? Yes, it's pretty incredible to sit here and watch uh, pros go out there during competition, especially the second and third day, and that's when it's always televised. And you can actually kind of decipher what they were doing. If one of them was having a bad day, you could kind of kind of say, well, I, I think I'd quit throwing that stupid whopper plopper, you know, <laughs> pull my flipping stick out. But that's just being an armchair quarterback, you know. And uh, But to be able to watch it is pretty incredible. Oh, I think that being an armchair quarterback is, is great. And I would like to... Uh, I, I just watched for the first time that uh, that TV show on Monday night where uh, it's uh, Peyton and Eli Manning watching the Monday night football game. Yes. And, and, and that would be, I would like to watch a tournament on three quarters of my screen and watch a couple of guys like, you know, uh, Roland Martin and Bill Dance in the corner commenting on the tournament as it goes on. I think that would be a heck of a show. <laughs> yeah, it might be, but it would be it would be kind of hard to do, but it's possible. Yeah, and hey. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, say that it ain't going to happen either, because everything I think ain't going to happen has happened in the course of forty five years. So uh, uh, you know, there's always a chance that that may actually happen. 
And, and you know what? I'm sure I'll get a royalty check when they do put that on the air for being the guy that came up with it. You know, I'm, I, I'm not going to go stand by the mailbox right now, though. I'll give them some time. I'll give them some time. Hey, did uh, – Go ahead. I, I, li- I like when you talked about you you and Jay, Lund- uh, Jay, Jay Ellis when you had the pro-on-pro pro thing. Are, are there any things that you would like to see tournament – competition-wise that we haven't seen. I'm thinking, you know, they just finished last week. They had that uh, Redcrest Cup, uh, not Redcrest Cup, Redfish Cup, uh, and a number of the uh, Bassmaster pros fished with Redfish pros, uh, uh, you know, going uh, in a tournament for that. And uh, I've said they've had a couple of experimental tournaments where guys fish for crappies. I've I've been promoting for a while uh, that I'd like to see a, you, you fish bass in the morning and fish crappie in the afternoon. Uh, put you in the boat with a with a crappie fisherman. I, I'd say great, famous crappie fisherman, but there's only one or two of them when, when you think about it. But that would be fun. I'd like to see a, a husband and wife tournament. Uh, I, I I think there's a whole lot of things we haven't seen on TV yet that they could do. What what do you think about any of that? Well, the, the husband-wife tournament, yes, that I could, I would like. That would be fun. It would be an opportunity for pros to get their wives out in the boat, let them fish. And, uh, you know, one a year, I think it would be a good deal. I agree. I agree. I agree. I think that, I think that would be good. Rule-wise, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about uh, the, the rules of five big fish or, or all of the legal fish you can catch in a day. But there are other rules that have uh, that have changed, and uh, one of which is uh, the banning of uh, uh, the Alabama rig. Uh, what do you think when they do something like that? Is it was that a fair thing to do? Would you like to see them allow those uh, to the uh, uh, allow the A rig to be used again? No, I don't. I do not like the A-Rig simply because I'm not man enough to chunk it. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to lie about it. Uh, it. It's a great way to catch fish. The biggest reason that, that it was pretty much banned is because you snag so many fish with the other hooks. And, uh, you know, it's it's not, to me, it's not a lure that ought to be, legalized simply because you've got six lures on one you know on one harness right right and if you if you want to really good do it right you can do six and three more back behind there you can have an unlimited you know as long as you got the the arms and the shoulders to throw that thing out there and it, it looks so much like a school of fish that it's uh it's going a little above and beyond, and it's still legal in lots of tournaments. But uh, thank goodness, in the higher level tournaments where they're televised, and uh, you know you're reeling them in, and they got four hooks stuck in one fish, or you got four, five bass on one lure, that that's not right. Oh, make, that makes sense to me. What do you think about uh, upping the limit on horsepower on, on the outboard motors? Well, it doesn't matter now. Two fifty or three hundred to me, it doesn't make a doesn't make a bit of difference. It's 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 all about the driver. You know, there's no need going that fast. Some kids like to go that fast, and if you've got a great day to run, then go ahead and run. But if you've got a 
200 boats taken off and you got boat waves for the next 15 miles, that's senseless set over there and run 75 miles an hour. You know, just take your time and go on through them. And then when it slicks up, then you can go on. But the one thing I want to emphasize here is going up on horsepower should be for safety purposes. When we were running 150s, we were underpowered when we got into bad weather. Oh, yeah. And by that, I mean, you couldn't climb out of a big wave on Lake Erie at times. You wanted to fall backwards. And, uh, you know, going up to 250, that allows you to go ahead and punch that thing and keep that nose up in the air to go over that next wave. And, uh, you know, it's all about the driver. I've always said that. He's the one reliable for safety and navigation of the boat. I agree. Very, very good. Is there any particular... Uh, elite tournament that's on the schedule for this year that you're truly looking forward to? Uh, actually, no. I, I'm looking forward to the whole circuit. I mean, I've looked at all of them, and the only one that kind of scares me is the Sabine River. I've never been there. Uh, I don't know anything about that place, uh, but it's also a river. It's just like going to Cincinnati. You know, I've never been there in my life. And I went up there and won the Bassmasters Classic. And uh, so, you know, sometimes new is good. And all the other lakes, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going back to Santee Cooper. Uh, it's an awesome lake. Lake Murray's an awesome lake. Uh, the whole schedule to me is a great fishing tour. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it is a great fishing tour. It's a great organization, the Bassmaster Elites. Larry Nixon back in BASS, joining the elites again. He, he did it the right way. He waited. He got his exemption. He's in there. And I know he's going to make some more money. He's a $2 million man. Boy, there's all kind of pictures of you getting handed a check the size of a wall. You know, the first million-dollar <laughs> man in bass fishing. You've far surpassed that, and, and you haven't stopped. Uh, very proud. Uh, proud of you. Happy to have you on the show. Larry Nixon, we hope you have a great 2023 season and look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for being with us, my friend. Thanks so much, Steve. Anytime. Excellent. Larry Nixon, isn't he something else? That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio, the internet, in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Stan Johnson from St. Croix, Nathan Starin from the Lithium Battery Company, and the one and only general himself, Mr. Larry Nixon. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They've got your bass covered. They sure do. Daiwa Reels. Remember our website, wefishasa.com. You can listen to us there as well as anywhere else you get your podcasts. Wefishasa.com is where you can contact us. We answer all of the correspondence we get, so let her rip. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. 
pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.